This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. It's James Golden, a.k.a. Bose Nerdly, on 77 WABC, the crown jewel of American radio. And welcome to your Saturday morning radio extravaganza here on WABC. If you'd like to join the party this morning, all you have to do, pick up your telephone, 800-848-WABC is the number to call, 800-848-9222. We have three hours and we have more news that could possibly fit into three hours. We have your phone calls. We have, of course... Her Highness, Her Majesty, Princess Di coming up later in the show. And we also have an interview coming up uh, that is going to be very unusual. Not going to tell you just yet, but uh, quite unusual. And there is, of course, a lot of news about immigration this morning. We have been warning you for weeks, especially those of you who have um, downloaded the podcast, Most Nerdly's on the Border, will realize how far ahead we were predicting over a month ago that this current surge that is now underway in the United States, although it is not being reported much, but there will be. You you watch this. Here's a prediction. Over the next six to eight weeks, immigration is going to start rising in the headlines as a major problem again because of what is happening on the southern borders of the United States. We also have news about abortion, and I'm going to just say up front, yeah, I'm going to talk about it, but here's what I don't want to do. I don't want to start relitigating or re- or talking about the fundamentals of the abortion issue, you know, being it. I want to discuss what's happening in the political world about it, not whether you think it's right or wrong, but we've heard that for 30 years, no closer to 50, because that's what is under scrutiny right now at the Supreme Court, and that's one of the reasons why it's in the news. There's news from the rodent kingdom this morning. I'll probably get into that really quickly because it's good news to me, and it's and it just shows that, the cult, again, the culture wars are winnable for conservatives. There is uh, a story that's a lot of gaining a lot of traction about an event that was held in in uh, Las Vegas. There was a class out there for, it was a conservative event held at the Las Vegas Clark Library. Several local Republican political candidates were in attendance. The mayor of North Las, Las Vegas, for instance, you never know his name. An instructor, this was at a concealed carry weapons event. So the guy shows up, he has some slides, and among his slides, he has a slide about firearm safety for black people, firearm safety for white people. 
this guy's apparently a would-be comic. They have graphics. And with the his name is uh, Nepi Kal- Kalaki, if I'm pronouncing it right. Nephi Kalaki. And with the firearm safety for black people, it says always shoot the gun right side up instead of, you know, turning the gun on its side and, and shooting the gun from the side. Second one, always lick the chicken grease off your fingers before shooting. Third, always make sure there's a white person around you so you have someone to blame for everything that goes wrong in your life. Fourth, always aim for small children to ensure you actually hit another gang member. Of course, those aren't really all that funny. Some of them might cause you to chuckle. He also had um, a a slide referring to white folks. He says, always put your beard down before handling a firearm. Always keep your finger out of your nose while shooting. Always wear a wife beater on the range. And always make sure there are no minorities in your backdrop. Well, of course, this thing is blown up. Conservatives, conservatives, video of Las Vegas conservative CCW event showing racist comments, sparks outrage, outrage, outrage. It's in the Hill today. It's in a number of other places. The guy's, you know, the guy's defending him. He's trying to be, you know, outspoken. He's just like, this guy, uh, Nephi, whatever his name is, Nephi Kalaki. He says he's sorry he didn't have time to do more, to offend even more of his friends. Okay, not funny, most of it. And, of course, because it's at a conservative event, it is going to get the kind of press that it's getting, which to me makes the whole thing incredibly stupid. If you know what the political events are, if you, look, if you want to be funny, do it on a stage. But if you're going to be around politicians, you're going to do something political, and you know that that people are going to be... Now, I'm not that offended by it, by the way. It's just like, okay, whatever, stupid jokes. But knowing the way that the mainstream press is in this country, you have to take that into account before you do anything in the political arena. And for this guy not to, just shows an absolute stupidity. And that's as much as I, you know, stupid. But you're going to be hearing about that among the other stories. Uh, For those of you up in Westchester, you'll be glad to know that the flights of illegal immigrants, the after-dark flights, after everybody's asleep, the charter planes that are coming in bearing illegal immigrants, illegal immigrants, they have resumed for a while after public knowledge that these flights were happening. The White House stopped them for a little while, but hey, 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 they're back. The New York Post was out with a photographer as a group of migrant teens got off from a Avalo Airlines plane in Westchester County Airport, 9.25 p.m. on Thursday. And then there were three waiting buses that drove off almost an hour later. One bus, you'll be glad to know, residents of New Jersey dropped off some of the immigrants to the Cherry Hill, New Jersey area, 
near the Walt Whitman service area, you know, off the turnpike. That's near the Delaware River gap over there near Philadelphia. And then another bus pulled up at around 12.45 a.m. There were adults waiting for them. This is all well-coordinated and done in secrecy. About 1.05 in the morning, the bus left the Walt Whitman service area and continued south on the New Jersey Turnpike. The plane that landed in Westchester bearing these illegal immigrants originated its flight in El Paso International Airport in Tejas. It stopped over in Jacksonville, Florida. Don't know whether they dumped any illegal immigrants in Florida or not. Former Westchester County Executive Rob Astorino, who made these this, this whole thing public, says that the resumption of flights is a big middle finger to hardworking New York taxpayers, frustrating, outrageous. He's running for governor. You know, if I didn't, if I could escape having everybody that's running for governor wanting equal time, I would love to have him on to talk about this issue. But again, this is well, well coordinated. And there's been a lot of movement on this deal with Governor Abbott. I'm going to wait and discuss that with Princess Di, because she always has amazing points of view about that. But the border agents down in Del Rio, Texas, where Todd Benzman, who is our co-host on On the Border, spent a lot of time reporting from and warning us what was coming from Central America and also from Cuba. The Cubans have made an arrangement with Nicaragua for flight. So what Todd is saying, we are having, instead of the Muriel boat lift, now under Biden we are having the Muriel airlift. There are going to be a lot of immigrants coming in from Cuba, maybe from Cuba's jails again, and their psych wards into the United States visa or via Nicaragua. We had an amazing interview yesterday with a woman that transitioned as a 19-year-old and now was concerned that as she approaches her late 40s going into 50s, she's talking about some of the things that she didn't think about as a teenager. There is another story today that kind of corresponds with that that's also in the New York Post about a trans doctor who has helped teenagers transition but now thinks that this entire movement of, of, of transgendering has, quote-unquote, gone too far. And she says that she doesn't want any part of it right now. It's gotten to the point where kids are presenting at clinics whose parents say, this, doesn't, this, this just doesn't make sense. She's worried also that people are going to accuse accuse her of helping to set this train in motion where so many kids are getting into it. She says a fair number of kids are getting into it because it's trendy. 
It's a trend. And she doesn't want any part of it. And again, one of the things that came up in the interview yesterday was this whole notion of of informed consent for these children who don't really understand what this means for their lives. Then, of course, Elton Musk, the Twitter war. He's now talking with private equity investors after Twitter tried to put a poison pen, a poison pill in his efforts to buy the company. Elton is Elon is I'm calling it Elton. Elon is mocking the Twitter board for being desperate to keep their easy gigs. And he's promising changes. He's also saying that the Twitter board could face titanic legal liability if they pursue the poison pill option that they are pursuing to keep him from buying the company. Shareholders could sue because what they're not doing is acting in the best interest of the shareholders. So those are just some of the headlines. We've got so many more, so many more to discuss with you this morning. We're going to take a quick break, come back, and get started with all of it. Again, if you'd like to be on the program, you can dial us, 800-848-WABC. This is a good moment if you haven't had your first cup of coffee already. You know, snuggle up in that nice warm robe, chill, relax. It's Saturday morning. Have your first, your second, your third cup of coffee with us. And let's hang out for a few hours. James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly. Here with you on this beautiful Saturday morning. We'll continue right after this. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Entertaining and informative. James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, is on the air. 77 WABC. Welcome to your Saturday morning, James Golden, Stevie Wonder. And brings us back here, part-time lover, that's Luther Vandross in the background. Florida, my friends, the rodent kingdom is apparently throwing in the towel. That news comes to us from nationalreview.com. The story starts off this way. Remember that magma hot cultural controversy from, oh, two weeks ago? The media are trying to keep it going. But... Disney has obviously thought better of taking on Ron DeSantis in Florida. Its current strategy is the forget we said anything move. 
And what this article goes on to say is that um, Disney right now, now that legislators in Florida and the governor, Ron DeSantis, are openly discussing cutting off Disney's sweetheart tax break that allows the company to essentially be its own government in the Orlando area, and now that they're talking, and now that, get this, now that parents, the National Review article says that Fox News, that is not entirely true. A lot of people were covering this story. We talked about it a great deal, among others. Talk radio was aflame with this story through the entire process. So it's not, quote-unquote, Fox News that did everything. Nothing wrong with Fox News. They would, Yeah, they covered it, but so did a whole lot of other people. And they weren't riling up parents. They were reporting the news, and when parents heard the news, parents became enraged. Fox didn't rile up the parents. The news of what was going on with Disney was what riled up parents. Parents have been fighting back with op-ed pieces, television appearances, public opinion polls, have shown support for the parental notification law. The Manhattan's Institute, Chris Rufo, published the infamous tape of Disney executives boasting of their not-so-secret gay agenda. So National Review says Disney with the full weight of showbiz culture behind it, thought it was playing with house money. What could possibly go wrong by proclaiming yourself to be opposed to homophobia? Plenty, it turns out. American consumers are irritated with companies that take on partisan political positions on controversial topics. It now appears obvious that Disney should have never injected itself into the debate in the first place. So its new tack is to veil itself of the opportunity of choosing tactile, tactful silence, hoping the whole issue just blows over. No pun intended. Wall Street Journal had an article. And in that article, a quote, Disney declined to comment on criticism from lawmakers. Inside the company, some executives have expressed disappointment that Disney has become politicized, and that is according to insiders in the company. Florida lawmakers believe that the the decision for Disney to inject itself came out of their California offices, very different culture than Florida. But now Disney, the rodent kingdom, quiet. They hope this whole thing just goes away. I wonder if we are ever going to hear how many people said, that's it, I'm done, my subscription to Disney Plus is over. I wonder how many people contacted Disney and told them that they were making a horrible mistake by injecting themselves It's amazing. But this demonstrates, ladies and gentlemen, something very important for the conservative movement in America and beyond. For years, decades, we have been told that conservatives need to keep quiet about these social issues. 
that they were the third rail of American politics. For those of you unfamiliar with that phrase, the third rail, New York subway riders know what it is. The third rail is a rail. You see the two subway tracks. Those are the two rails. If you look past those two subway tracks to the outside track, that is the rail that houses all of the electricity that runs the trains. And if you happen to come in contact with that third rail, it's lights out. You're done. You will be electrocuted. So it is, oh, so the, hence the term the third rail of American politics. Now, it is, it is worth noting that in the beginning, there was so much opposition in the mainstream press for Ron DeSantis, as there always is, and for these Florida legislators. The bill was misnamed purposely, and the accusation was made that it was targeted to gay people when it never was. It was all about stopping the sexualization in school of children between uh, the kindergarten and third grade, which should have never been taken in the first place. Now, by the way, we see a lot of videos coming out on TikTok from teachers who are openly admitting what they're doing, and they're outraged that someone is daring to stop them. And in some cases, they're defiant, and they're not going to stop. But what this demonstrates or should demonstrate for conservatives is that as long as your opposition is based in righteous, a righteous position, that you should be unafraid of taking on the culture war. And it should also demonstrate that for real leaders like Ron DeSantis, They have everything to gain and nothing to lose by standing up to the left. And this idea that the establishment Republicans have been telling us for ages, oh, no, 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 don't you dare get involved with these cultural issues. That's a loser for us. You're going to kill the party, has been absolutely wrong. And in fact... If you are on the right side of an issue and you explain yourself properly, you will even get support from the opposition. Democrats, a majority of Democrats in Florida, agree that the bill was the right thing to do. And that has to be one other reason that all of a sudden the folks over at the rodent kingdom have said, you know what, let's just shut up about this. Now, I'm also waiting for the day that some of these shareholders actually start talking to the CEOs of these so-called woke companies and telling them, you know what, we don't, if you have employees here that want to demand that we take political action on the left, you should tell them, no, their job is not to get involved in politics. Leave the politics out of work. And I'm waiting for some of these shareholders to finally say to some of the CEOs, your job will be at risk if you put this company in the middle of a political fight. We are here to serve American, or if you have a global audience, a global global consumer base, 
We're here to serve our consumers regardless of their political affiliation. If you go to look at what's happening in Massachusetts, related story somewhat, parents with children attending a middle school at Ludlow Public Schools in Massachusetts have now filed a lawsuit against a group of teachers and administrators over the district's gender policy and failure to disclose students' gender identity to their parents. In other words, what was happening is that, at least according to parents in the lawsuit, is that teachers were being encouraged by their middle school teachers to change their names and pronouns and all that stuff without parents knowing. How does this stuff enter into a school system? Kids just show up to school and say, I'm going to change my pronoun today. Is that okay? Where are they learning this stuff from? The lawsuit, and this again is in Massachusetts, alleges that the district's policy affirming the gender identities of transgender students violates both state and federal law. Well, wait a minute. You mean there are laws? in liberal Massachusetts that would deny discussion of these things? Why, why, why didn't anyone tell us that there were don't say gay bills in Massachusetts? The Boston Globe is reporting that in the fall, the district allows allowed students to adopt new names and pronouns, and school staff are barred from discussing a student's gender identity with their parents unless the child offers consent. The minor child is now put in the position of the driver's seat of don't tell my parents that I'm changing my pronouns. And why is this even happening in schools in the first place? I think what has happened here this, the genie is out of the bottle, and the genie's not going back in the bottle. And thanks to Ron DeSantis and others' leadership, all of a sudden, Americans, and what happened, I think Princess Di the other week said, this all began in Loudoun County, Virginia. The, the genie is out of the bottle, and it is not going back in the bottle. James Golden, a.k.a. Snurdly, with you here on Saturday morning. It's our Saturday morning radio extravaganza. Enjoy your coffee with us, and don't go away. We're coming right back. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Bo knows politics and so much more. A true connection to real New York on 77 WABC. Cheryl Crow brings us back.
is so true. Every day is a winding road. AP has a story, the Associated Press. A majority of black Americans say race shapes identity. And the story is about a majority of black Americans say being black is central to how they think about themselves, shape their identities, and even as many have a diverse experience and come from various backgrounds. That's a new report by the Pew a research center, about three-quarters of black folks says, so despite where they came from, their economic status, or their educational backgrounds, all 14% say being black is only somewhat important to their identity. Nine say, 9% say it has little or no impact. So most say that being black, you know, this is what is central to their identity. Now, some people might think this is great. I think it's I think this is actually in America what half the, what what most of the problem is when it comes to racial areas that you view yourself from this prism of your skin color and of your heritage. This is what keeps Americans separated. Just and and by the way, I would say the same thing if the same number of of, of white people say that being white is central to how they think about themselves, or if People from Asia say being, you know, Asian is how, is what informs it. Look, we are in America, a land that used to be defined in many ways. Now, don't get me wrong. I know the history of this country. I know that race is always, especially since our founding, since our before founding, the issues of slavery, the issues of race have always been predominant and preeminent in American culture in some ways. But part of evolving as a people means that we learn and we grow and we leave certain things behind. And this idea that we we human beings should be looking at ourselves through the prism of ethnicities or skin colors, is this is like the lowest common denominator. Ooh, some people are going to be offended by that, but it is. We belong to one race, the human race. We don't belong to three or four different human races. We belong to one race, the human race, created by one God. Oh, no, he went religious on us. Well, sorry for those of you. Who are, no, I'm not sorry. Um, we belong to one race. And this idea that we should continue to look at ourselves as the most important thing about my life is that I have a certain skin color or that I have a certain ethnicity, that's the most important. This is what allows us to become trapped in hate for other people that are different than us. And again, that's regardless of whatever your skin color is, whatever your ethnicity is. One of the things that should define us as Americans is our belief that we can accomplish anything in this wonderful country if we put our minds to it, if we work hard. 
that there is no obstacle that we cannot overcome, that we can achieve anyway, regardless of whatever the obstacles are. And our country has evolved legally from where we were at the founding to where people do have the ability to move through society depending on their own aspirations, their own work ethic, their own abilities. And if we focus more on that instead of these narrow, these narrow classifications, what we would find is that we would shed a lot of the negativism that is in this country. And we would be not also be teaching these incredibly narrow views to children. And so we would stop the cycle. And if America is ever, ever going to achieve the true greatness that is possible, we are already a great nation. We are already a nation like no other. But we can become a true leader for world transformation if we led the way in getting rid of these notions that skin color is so important, that ethnicity is so important, beyond important, than anything else. We have calls coming in. I'm going to take one. I just saw one come through uh, from the Bronx, Melvin. If he's ready, put him on. Hello, Melvin. Welcome, WABC Talk Radio 77. James Golden, a.k.a. Snurdly. Number one, my ancestors were kidnapped and brought here starting in 1501 when King Ferdinand of Spain issued a proclamation and Columbus brought the first African to because need a cheap labor force. Slow and down so we can understand you. Melvin, slow down so everybody can understand you. You're not going to be cut off. You have time. Go ahead. My ancestors were brought in here in 1501 when King Ferdinand of Spain issued a proclamation because they needed a chief labor force and Chris Colones brought the first Africans over here in Chile because they knew, because the Europeans knew about Africa. That's how they got to Asia by either going overland or sailing their ships around the coast of Africa. Recognize all that. You got folks on this, on this continent right now talking about how they're second and third grade immigrants. Because why are all the immigrants coming here? Because out of every hundred Melvin, Africans that were taken. Melvin, Melvin. Who sold your people into slavery? Excuse me? Who sold people into slavery? They traded for guns. They were kidnapped because they wanted them guns. Not all were kidnapped, Melvin. You talk, your line says I need to do my homework on this. Melvin, I have done my homework. Perhaps you need to do yours. Let me ask you another question. All of that happened in the past, and you're absolutely right. No one's arguing about the past. What about your present? Why are you still walking around with this today, leading the flag with this? Yes, Melvin, if you look at world history, you can see in every single land, in every single land in this world, you can point to atrocities that happened in the past. What does that have to do right now, today, with the condition of your life today? Very simple. Our every hundred Africans that are taking Africa, because we talk about the protocol of uh... Slow down, Melvin. We need to hear you. you Again, I'm not. Slow down, Melvin. Seriously. Slow down. I understand that you're excited about this issue, but slow down so we can understand you. Go ahead. You're talking about the protocol of phenomenal or cause and effect. 
Uh, every hundred Africans that were taken out of Africa, only five became the English-speaking colony. The other 95 were scattered to the Caribbean, Central, and South America. Now, what are we five doing over here that the other 95 were coming over American, here? let me ask you a question. Why is it that you, you just mentioned this, and you're right. I'm not arguing with you about the facts, my friend. What I'm arguing with you is about your attempt, uh, you, what, I'm, what we are discussing and have a disagreement about is how you interpret those facts. Why is it that people from Caribbean that came here that were also enslaved, that also suffered the same horrific conditions, and no one is going to argue that chattel slavery, chattel slavery was unlike any other slavery that mankind had ever seen. It, is the, it was the worst aspect of slavery. And for those people that don't know it, what happened was this. Even when you look at slavery in biblical terms, they were allowed to main slaves were allowed to maintain their family units. They were allowed to maintain their own languages, their own culture, their own religion. What happened in the chattel slavery that brought people to America was completely different. People were stripped of everything that had to do of their own identity, culture, religion, language. I understand all that, Melvin. Done homework that you suggest I should do. But what I'm asking you are some basic questions. Why is it that when people come here from the Caribbean, they come here with a higher level of education, that they come here with an entrepreneurial spirit, that they're not walking around all the time talking about what victimization they suffered in in decades, years past, but they come here to take advantage of everything that America has to offer, while you, Melvin, are sitting around here saying that everything that happens to your life now is dependent on what happened to your ancestors. Why is that? I'm going to give you an answer no more. I got drafted 53 years ago by the United States military. And number two, people come to the United States for one reason only, because they refuse to fight anywhere they come from for what my ancestors fought for in here. Well, keep my only five out of 100 slaves were brought here. And the That's not true, Melvin. No, 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 bring them up. I don't want them to the we fought the conditions that are being laid down today. Melvin, I agree with you. Yes. We fought. This This is why, Melvin, I refuse to give in to this racial business. American, especially African. It. We did not start the Melvin, I let you say it. your piece. Don't yes. interrupt. Respond if you'd like. American, especially African Americans, this, this is our country. We have a birthright to be here because of everything that we, our ancestors, brought to this country. That's one of the reasons we should be proud to be Americans. This is what we have contributed to to the American experience. Was it pleasant? No. But right now, we have risen to be a triumphant people through all of this. So instead of looking at everything through a lens of negativity and anger and resentment, why not look at things through a positive lens that allows for people to elevate themselves Melvin, I'm going to give you the last we word, then we got to move on. Oh, Go ahead, Melvin. Well, was one issue, one issue, a solution. And when I sit on this school board up here in the Bronx County, there was a lack of truth in the curriculum. Now, put all the truth in there, the complete truth, and let the chips fall, they going to fall. And once again, my father served in World War II. And so did mine. Military. And my father also served in the Korean War as well. So did mine. My cousins, my older cousins. Right. Too. And so we have this as our common experience, Melvin. I'm not your enemy. But what I'm saying, you Melvin. No, I'm not. I'm, no, I didn't say you're my, I'm saying I'm not. What I'm saying is we have a common experience. 
and will be very helpful to. That's right. And here's my. No, but no one's not talking about the truth. Everything that you have said to me from a historical standpoint, I agree with you on. Okay, but just because you know the historical truth doesn't mean that you have to wallow in it. I didn't say I'm wallowing. You did. Peace yeah, I did. I did that. say you're wallowing in it because I'm of the attitude that you're approaching this with. You condemn yourself. Don't throw your weight on top no, of me. No, bro, I'm don't not condemning myself. I have a point of view that I'm not condemning yeah, myself, and I'm not condemning you. I have a point of view also there. I'm respecting your point of view, Melvin. Melvin, I'm pushing back on it. Melvin, we gotta. I gotta go. I'm gonna invite you to call us again, though. Thank you. I appreciate your contribution. Your contribution and your call, Melvin. I want you to call again, okay? Okay. Just put the truth out, then you go come to. I agree with that. Nobody's hiding from the truth, Melvin. Take a chill pill, bro. And let's t- discuss this at some other point too. I'm happy to take your call whenever you call in, Melvin. James Golden, aka Snurley, gotta go. We're gonna be back right after this. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Now, here's the soul of excellence, James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, on 77 WABC. Saturday morning, W-A-B-C. Maxwell brings us back the urban theme. If you'd like to be part of the program, 800-848-WABC. That's 800-848-9222. Remember, after this program today, Larry Kudlow comes up. Later on tonight, Music Radio WABC with Cousin Brucey. You'll want to keep it here all day long. Let's head back to the telephones and... Link up with Kathy in Brooklyn, New York. Hey, Kathy, welcome. Hi, welcome. Uh, thank you so much for taking my call, Bo. I wake up to you every Saturday morning. It's a pleasure to hear some sane words. Melvin, I'm sorry for Melvin. He's got so much hate in his heart. He sh- we really should pray for him because people like him are walking around our city trying to just, like, live in the past and, 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 and harbor all that hate in their heart. That's what I feel happened to that man. Frank James had all this hate in his heart. And then the president of the United States and all these people are, you know, like reinforcing it with BS, white supremacists and all this BS. All I want to say, Bo, is that we need to come together and we need to pray for our country because and we need to pray for our city. Because the other day when that happened, I don't live too far away from the, where the incident took place. And I, I heard about it and I said, oh, Lord, please don't let anybody die. And it was truly a miracle that this man shot off 33 rounds of bullets and nobody died. So I said, Lord, you sheltered them all. Even the pregnant woman, the stranger got in front of her, sheltered her with his body. It's That's the way New York is come together. Why do they want to Divide us. Why do they want to divide us? That's the, that, what is the end game? What is the end game? To, and, and, and this is another thing I want to just say, Bo. The police, the police, their hands are tied only because they, are, they have to worry so much when they come on the scene of, a, of an incident, like how they're going to hold on the person, how they're going to talk to them, how they're going to talk. Come on. This is ridiculous what's going on. And Eric Adams, 
better get his act together because the you know what is hitting the fan big time, big time. I Thank love you, Bo. God bless you. I love you too, Kathy. Thank you for your call. Now, she started off by saying, you know, Melvin is an example of the hate and all this stuff. Let me just say this about Melvin. I understand, okay, I understand the rage that Melvin has. Melvin, look, folks, let's go beyond that for a minute, what you heard in terms of his tone and and all that. But, But go back and listen to what Melvin was saying, okay? Melvin is fed up. And that's what's going on with Melvin, I believe. He's fed up. And you would be fed up, too, if your children, Melvin said he's on the school board. In other words, he's there trying to enact some change. And goodness knows what he's up against. He says he wants truth in the history being taught. I do, too. Because American history is a complex thing to teach. And it should not be just the narrative that the left has been giving of American history, America the oppressor, America the horrible nation. There is a lot of America's past that is ugly, but there's so much more that is absolutely beautiful and wonderful that has transformed humanity and transformed mankind. All of it should be taught. We shouldn't skip over the warts. That's part of our history. But at the same time, look what Eric is looking at when he looks across New York. Look, look, at, look, at, no, no, look at what he's looking at. In New York alone, we have over 242 failing schools. And this has happened generation after generation after generation. We are now into generational illiteracy in New York. While these politicians spend billions of dollars and pontificate about everything else, their main task to educate the next generation, we are failing in New York City. And no one gives a damn. These kids come out of school ignorant. They come out of school not appreciating America, not loving America, hating their neighbors as they hate themselves. Because you cannot love yourself and continue to kill each other with the kind of abandon that these kids are killing each other. You cannot love yourself and parade around with your naked asses showing every day and think that it's cool. You cannot love yourself without a sense of modesty. You can't love yourself without understanding that there is a higher power in the universe. You cannot love yourself and do to your community what is being done in communities all around the United States. And right here in, in Man, right here in New York City, you can see the microcosm of it. You see the glorification of criminality. If you look inside the music culture, you see the perversion. These are all the things that that caller was looking at. And he's done. He's sick and tired of it. Now, I disagree with him on the way that we look at America. And I understand our past, but I will say this. I'm not pissed off at that caller because he is just as angry as I am about this. How, how in the world can you watch your children growing up ignorant, growing up 
with this idea that criminality, violence is acceptable, that living a godless life is acceptable, that not appreciating your country and your contribution to your country is acceptable. I don't understand why more New Yorkers aren't outraged at what occurs in this city every day under the Democrat Party liberal progressive rule. It has destroyed people's lives. It is destroying people's lives on a regular basis. And we just, they all talk about systematic institutional racism. Well, it's right here. All you have to look at do, all you have to do if you want to see what institutional racism looks like is look at the Democratic Party rule in every city that they control in America. There's your institutional racism. And it is hurting America. It hurts all of America. And this is why we, conservatives, we cannot let this stand. Not only do we have to defeat these people, we have to actually take their political power for them and turn around these cities in the United States so America can live to its promise. That is what we have to do. Because as long as we don't, we're going to be watching these out-of-control crime waves. As long as we don't, we're going to be watching this immigration surge where people are coming here because this country is now lawless. We're so worried about the borders of the Ukraine, and the Biden administration has totally lost control of the borders of the United States of America, our southern borders, and there is nobody in the Democrat Party standing up and saying, this is wrong. Let's regain control of our own borders. Let us educate our own children. Right now, We are so worried in some of these liberal schools about changing kids' gender from boy to girl, from girl to boy, when they can't freaking read. They can't do math. And here they are worried whether their dingling should be a slit. This is insanity. And yet we put up with it. We put up with these people doing this to our children. We put up with these Hollywood types, like this rodent kingdom, running around saying that this is totally acceptable in schools while we fork over money to them. And you have people inside that company saying, our job is to openly indoctrinate your children. And we put up with this crap. No, I understand where the caller was coming from. He's ticked off. I'm ticked off, too. We have one president that has stood up in the last 30 years to this stuff. We've had one president, one president that said, okay, enough of this. He took a stand and was pro-life. Enough of this genocide in the womb. He stood up to China. He stood up to these people that want open borders. He stood up to these people that want endless regulations that stop American progress. And who does that hurt most? It hurts people in minority communities because they're the ones that are living in fear because of this rampant criminality and because of conditions there keep businesses from prospering. This is the president that stood up for the historically black community colleges like no other president, including Obama. And what did Republicans do? They helped Democrats stab him in the back. 
We do need a transformation, but it's not the transformation that progressives want. The the transformation we need is to get rid of the socialist policies in America, to get rid of these progressive racist-ass policies in America that have been racist since the time of Woodrow Wilson. What we need is a transformation back to the American ideals of individual liberty, of freedom, and of merit that you can advance in America based on your merit, not your skin color, not what gender you are, not whether you have a dangly between your legs or not, on your merit who you are as a person, nothing else. Oh, goodness, I worked myself up this morning. We have two hours to go. We're going to make use of them. Hope you're with us for all three hours here on WABC Talk Radio 77. James Golden, a.k.a. Snurdly. Yeah, I'm with you for another two. Please stay with us for the other two. And if you want to join us on the phones, 800-848-WABC is the number to call. Princess Di coming up later in the program. And we've got another interview I can't wait for you to hear. I'll give you a hint. It's about dogs. Well, not just about dogs. All that coming up. Stay with us here. It's our Saturday morning radio extravaganza on WABC Talk Radio 77. Nerdly on 77 WABC, the crown jewel of American radio. Indeed it is. Welcome to our number duo on our Saturday morning radio extravaganza. James Golden, a.k.a. Boast Nerdly, with you. Phone lines are full, but if you want to join us a little bit later, 800-848-WABC is the number to call. Remember, after this program today, Larry Kudlow steps in. And you always want to tune in to see what Larry's talking about. Later this evening, WABC Music Radio returns. We're going to take so many calls today. I'm not going to just sit here and run my mouth. All of you have things to say, and I want to hear what they are. And we're going to talk about some other news. And and news just doesn't come with these stories, a lot of them horrible about things going on around us. There's a story out of Newsweek I want to share with you. And the headline of the story is, I learned four ways to find happiness every day. This uh, it come, this piece, let me find her name. I thought I would remember it, but I don't. Shauna Nequist is the author of this piece. She's a best-selling author. And this piece today is about, she says, Her husband and the two sons are lifelong Midwesterners. Three years ago, they moved to New York City. Well, everybody else was moving out of New York City. And here, people that moved into New York City, she says, we moved from a house in the suburbs of Chicago. Well, one can understand leaving Chicago to an 825-square-foot, that's kind of small, apartment on the third floor of a beautiful neo-Gothic red brick building in Manhattan. Sounds like a brownstone. The move, combined with the pandemic, serious health issues, and a stretch of heartbreak and grief, deeper and darker than anything I've ever experienced, 
have made for some of the most challenging years of my life. The things that I used to that used to work simply didn't anymore. She says she had to reevaluate everything. What worked, what didn't, what she wanted, what she wanted to leave behind and adapt accordingly. Now she starts listing some of the things that helps her find happiness every day. She says these little things won't solve everything. But you might be surprised how much difference they really can make. And here are the four ways that she's learned to seek happiness every day. Number one, seek connection. She says something miraculous happens when we gather. There is a connection, a healing, a nourishment that goes beyond the nutrients and calories and vitamins and miracle and minerals. There is a nourishment of spirit. And if we've learned anything at all through the pandemic, it's that we really need that connection, all of us. We need to see each other's faces, need to hear each other's voices. We need to laugh together, cry together, sit in silence together. We, she says, speaking of human beings, we were made for connection, for sitting shoulder to shoulder, for carrying one another and walking together. She goes on to explain more about that one, but I think we can say that we've got the point. This is her second Suggestion to find happiness every day and something. Trade anger and resentment for hope and gratitude. Now, this is what I was trying to express, I think, in the, in the last hour. I mean, we can look at America through a lens of race or whatever it is and get angry. We can look through all this. Or we can also look for us, to ourselves as human beings and find the gratitude. Depends on how we look at ourselves. She said, she says, there have been stretches in the last couple of years when I needed a wheelbarrow or even a semi-truck to carry around all of the anger and resentment I held on to. It was one of the core activities of my day, just keeping that anger and resentment alive and sparking, tending it like a fire. But at a certain point, all that anger was like a pile of garbage in the middle of the floor of our apartment. If we lived in a big house, maybe I could shove it all into a spare bedroom or a corner of the basement, but we needed every square inch, and I couldn't afford all this garbage in this tiny space. And that's how I started to feel on the inside of myself, in my heart, like there wasn't enough room for hope and gratitude because of all this garbage. So I chose to trade one for the other. The practice of gratitude keeps our heart tender through the night instead of allowing bitterness and cynicism to take over. Choosing to see the good right in the middle of the darkness and loss is a discipline. And I'm finding it to be a life-changing one. Her third suggestion, 
but trying to find happiness every day is that we should look for beauty. I believe in seeking out beauty absolutely every chance we get as an act of prayer, as an act of worship, as an act of resistance. I believe in going out of our way, even if it means to see the water or the mountains or the sky streaked with colors. I believe in attending the sunset the way that some people buy fancy theater tickets. The people I admire most are people who take celebration and memory making seriously. At my best, that's who I am, a moment maker, a noticer, a person who celebrates the tiny goodnesses of our lives. Whenever possible, walk out of your way for a few minutes. Take a few deep breaths somewhere beautiful. Whether that's a forest clearing or a French breakery or a path through the prairie on a cobblestone street, take the long way sometimes, reveling in the discovery of beauty, noticing things everywhere you can, what it smells like, the slant of light, and how the sounds remind you of recess or Rome or the Grand Rapids. And finally, the fourth suggestion that she has is be a beginner. She says, after moving to Manhattan, the number of things her family didn't know was overwhelming. Everything from figuring out the subway to grocery shopping, how to get to school. She noticed her son started uh, questioning everything. How do I do this? Have I made too many mistakes? Am I dumb? Am I falling behind? When she heard those new questions, she said she knew that her family needed a new perspective about what they were all experiencing with the move. So she wrote the phrase, I guess I haven't learned that yet. On a printed paper, she taped it up on the wall of their living room. All four of the family members made it a goal to say that phrase once a day. And it changed everything. Eventually, she said that family mantra became the title for her new book. I guess I haven't learned that yet. Do Look at it like a beginner. Learn. There's so much freedom when you don't have to be an expert, when you don't have to have the answer, and you can learn from other people. That idea has really so much goodness into my life. I found that being a beginner is such a life-giving way to live. That article today was in Newsweek. I found it. I hope you found it as inspiring as I did. How to find happiness in your daily life. Four suggestions. She says that's not going to change everything, but they're good suggestions. If you want to weigh in on that, what you can do to find happiness in your life, by all means, feel free. Talk about so many things that are difficult here. So many things that have divisions on both sides, we can spend some time talking about how to be happy. James Golden, WABC Talk Radio 77. We're going to take a break. Coming back, more of your calls on the other side. Stay with us. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Welcome to the golden age of radio. James Golden, a.k.a. Pose Nerdly, is on 77 WABC. 
King Harvest brings us back on WABC Talk Radio 77. Uh, you know this song, don't you? We get it almost every night. And when that moon gets a big and bright, it's supernatural delight. Every border was dancing in the moonlight. Dancing in the moonlight. I also like dancing in the sunlight. I mean, after all. Here is out of sight. They don't bark and they don't bite. They keep things loose. They keep things alive. Every border was dancing in the Oh, you know who I talked with yesterday? Um, you remember a few weeks ago, you might, those of you that uh, listen to the show every week, every Saturday, uh, you'll remember a few weeks ago I talked about the Isley Brothers. And and some of the, the Isley Brothers was simply amazing, one of the great groups. I ran out of here in Teaneck, New Jersey. Well, I got a call last night from one of the Isley Brothers. And um, we might, we don't have this nailed down yet, but we might have a surprise for you at some point next week. So that's going to be pretty cool if it happens. And I'm looking forward to it happening. Let's head back to the telephones. John Huntington, Long Island. Hey, John, welcome. Hey, Bo. Uh, I'd like to say thank you so much for all your positivity, great music, great vibe. It's, that's what this country needs. I mean, uh, that guy, Melvin, we got to pray for him. People like him who, they never, I mean, the, the system has failed them, and and they want it. They want to just divide us to conquer us. That's their end game. But um, I'd like to thank you uh, first. But uh, my other point about um, this this thing with with, with Musk and Twitter, um, mm-hmm. this thing shows how much of a joke these people are. Uh, that the, the the shame is about the vote. I don't think that that there's going to be a vote. Uh, the, the all of the uh, these people they don't vote. The fidelity votes for them. TD Ameritrade, they all vote the same way. Um, it's hard to get all these people, but I believe Musk has a backup plan. And he's, it's probably just going to either, it's, it's going to just, it's already exposed Twitter for what, uh, for what they are. And, and Musk has already won regardless, in my opinion. You know, that's an amazing point. I love that point of view, that Musk has already won by exposing them for what they are. Now, he does have a plan B. Uh, Musk is talking with individual um, investment houses, I believe, is the plan B. So he may circumvent this poison pill. It's difficult from what I read. And I, I don't know. I'm not an expert in this, okay? But it, from what I understand, it's difficult to stop these poison pill movements. But also, by doing this so quickly, um, these the board of directors at Twitter has perhaps exposed themselves to a massive lawsuit a number of lawsuits from shareholders who say that they're not engaging in their fiduciary responsibilities to the shareholders to get the best deal possible because because Elon Musk did offer a good deal. It would be it's so amazing to watch, to see the fear, the fear from some of these people that Twitter might actually have to be a free speech platform instead of being able to just censor and continue to censor conservative and voices that liberals don't want to hear. John, appreciate your call. Let's stay in Huntington. And thank you for your kind words, John. They did not go unnoticed, and I appreciate them. 
Mary Beth, Huntington, Long Island. Welcome, Mary Beth. How are you this morning? I'm well, thank you, and I hope you are. And Huntington, there are certain areas of Huntington that are very positive, beautiful enclave. So come visit Huntington. Again, because I used to hang out in Huntington. I had a girlfriend in Huntington when I was younger, so I used to get out there all the time near the 110 and all that stuff. That was I was a young guy. I haven't been out there. And I got to say, I haven't been out in Huntington in a long time, but it was always beautiful out there, I thought. Yes, it is. And um, I want to say many times I find myself caving in to all the despair. Um, this country is being attacked from so many angles, you know, crime, taking over our children's education by people parents don't want involved. All this talk about, you know, war overseas. There's, there's a tremendous war going on here. But you are a voice of reason and you are a very positive person. And just the long speech that you made after Melvin called, I'm not attacking Melvin. You spoke very well of what he may be experiencing in life. But we all need to take on those thoughts. And the woman whose um, article you summarized for us, um, I want to be realistic here. I thought everything was beautiful that she said, but in my mind, I'm going, what the heck did she move to New York for? And yet she, <laughs> well, she showed how it impacted her in a positive way. And, you know, one thing I try to do every day, and I, I don't even know I'm, I was conscious initially of doing this and why I was doing it, but I kind of understand why I'm doing it now because I'm a people person and every morning I go out to get the paper and my coffee. And if I see someone, a a woman who's wearing a beautiful dress or a man who's got a great tie and shirt on, I compliment them. It just comes out of me. I don't think about it. I just say, wow, you look great today. And their faces light up. And I realize The connection between us all, you know, if you're walking your dog and you see a new person in the neighborhood, you say, hello, how are you today? We, we, these connections need to grow in our country today. And and you stated that quite well. And so did the woman in the article. This is positivity. This is what we need to share with one another. Thank you. I so appreciate you, Mary Beth. Thank you for your kind words as well. You know, here's what I think. Um, we, you said we're in a war. We are, we are. But this war that we are in goes beyond the political war that we uh, see uh, being played out across many aspects of our culture and our legal system and our legislative system. This war that we are in is actually a spiritual war. It is a war that has to deal with the moral soul of not just America, but the moral soul of the world. We have right now, we're living in an age where people think that evil is good. And by the way, that there are certain people that look at that and say, end times, end times, because it was predicted that the end times would have that. Now, I don't necessarily subscribe to that at all. I think that, first of all, I don't know. I'm not on that pay grade. But I will say this. I do believe in the concept of spiritual warfare, that there are energies that are present and that have been present in all of our lives. And I don't want to get too deep off into it. I'm not out trying to proselytize to anybody or whatever, but I do believe 
that what we are witnessing, what we are seeing before us, is this battle that is between something very basic, good and evil. Okay, when you have children killing other children wantonly, taking life, the biggest threat, by the way, to black lives and for the Black Lives Matter crowd when they're not buying mansions or doing whatever with money that's been donated to them, maybe they'll take a look at the homicide rates of black folks and figure out how they can get uh, interested in trying to intercede between young black men who are killing off young black men at amazing rates. The biggest threat to young black men in this country does not come from white police officers. It comes from other black men who are willing to shoot them down over pettiness. When you look at the criminality where you have people brazenly walking in stores and walking out with thousands of dollars of goods that don't belong to them and nobody says anything about it, that's evil. When you have people doing willing to do all sorts of horrid, lewd things to children, I mean, that's beyond that. that there's got to be another word besides evil for that, and I don't even know what the word is. Okay, when you look at what's going on in these schools right now, the idea that that children should be sexualized while they are while they are in first kindergarten, while they are in first grade, second grade, third grade, when they should be learning how to read, when they should be learning how to do math, when they should be learning how to communicate, to socialize with other human beings. And instead, they're being taught that they should be dissatisfied with their own gender, with the gender that they were born with, that they were created with. That is warfare on another level. And people think that's okay. No, that's not okay. It is not okay. Why are we arguing? Why are we arguing about whether men who biologically change into uh, women, whether they should be allowed to compete with biological women? I am not against transgender people. My transgender friends out here, please hear me. You are loved to, I understand, and I've been saying all along, and I do, I understand dysphoria. I don't understand all of it, but I understand the concept of it. I understand the concept of not liking your body. I get that. But I also get the fact that you sh- that, that we sh- have to be tolerant. And tolerant doesn't mean just tolerant to one point of view. Females that work hard at sports should be allowed to compete with other biological females. Not hard. And you can also satisfy the, the, the needs that transgender people have to also compete by allowing transgender people to compete with other transgender people. It is a simple solution that does not require us to be at each other's throats. We have so much in this country We have so much to be grateful for. The opportunities that we have. Melvin and everybody else that thinks that America is just a terrible place. Look here. You know, every day you can see it. If you just look, you can see people who succeed despite everything that's been thrown against them. You can see Little black kids that go to school that there was just a story about a a, a black girl. I think she was, I forgot what state she's in, but she got accepted into some incredible number of, of colleges. People throwing scholarship money at her left and right because her 
because she achieved anyway, despite everything that she was put up with. You don't have to feel like you're a victim because you, you're black, because you're white. I mean, these days, little, little white kids are running home to their mommies. What's wrong with me? Why am I a racist? That's so unnecessary. How, would, how dare you? How dare you teach kids that because they happen to be white, that they are somehow evil? How dare you? How dare you teach little black kids in America that they're victims just because they were born with a do- with more melanin in their system than somebody else? How stupid and how dare you? This is the greatest nation on the face of the earth because for many years, the idea of the American dream was, listen, it doesn't matter where you were born. It matters what you do. It doesn't matter what you look like. It matters what you do. We are the country that within a few short years, when Dr. King stood up in front of the Washington Monument and said he had a dream, that in every hamlet, in every province in this great country of ours, people could be recognized by what they do, by the content of their character, and not by the color of their skin. That is now the law of our land. It is up to us to live up to the law. And, of course, there are people who still harbor their silly resentments and their silly hatreds. But you don't have to let yourself be defined by the worst of humanity. Let yourself be defined by the best of humanity. We in America have so much to be grateful for. We can work. We can start our own businesses here. We can become entrepreneurs here. You have, how dare I say it, athletes in this country who can't put together 15 words to make a paragraph, yet they're multimillionaires, and they're bending down on their knees criticizing America? Really? I mean, come on. We have every reason every day in this country to be grateful. But we also have work to do. We have to inform and persuade those people that have given in to the left, that think criminal behavior is okay, that think the street life is okay, people that think that misogyny is okay, people that think that abusing their fellow citizens, we have work to do. We have to get involved with that battle, and that battle is a battle of good over evil. Thank you so much for your call. James Golden, a.k.a. Snurdy, with you here. WABC Talk Radio 77 on our Saturday morning extravaganza, radio extravaganza. We're coming back right after this. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust, or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. UTIs are the worst. I've been there. One year, I had eight UTIs. If you get UTIs, then you understand how awful the cycle can be. I was taking all the precautions. And cranberry products, they just never worked for me. I was desperate for a way to be proactive. It was hard on me and on my husband. It was tough to see her in pain, and I wanted to help. I'm Jenna. 
And I'm Spencer. With Spencer's background in biochemistry. And our shared frustration when it came to UTIs. We were inspired to start Eucora. At Eucora, we make innovative urinary tract supplements and UTI relief products. Our effective urinary tract supplements finally give you a way to be proactive. Feel like you've tried everything? We get it. We have a money-back guarantee so you can try risk-free. If you're not happy, you'll get a full refund. We're on a mission to help women get their lives back. Ready to join them? Go to Eucora.com today. Eucora.com. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Entertaining and informative. James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snerdley, is on the air. 77 WABC. Oh, my goodness me. This is the Pat Metheny Group bringing us back on WABC. Talk Radio 77. The name of this song? Jocko. It is a tribute song to perhaps the greatest bass player, electric bass player. Well, he also played acoustic set. I mean, one of the greatest. I mean, you can talk about guys like Charlie Mingus, who was just, he's regarded in some circles as the greatest. And there have been so many others. Give a shout out to an amazing bass player right here in New York, Jerry Brooks out of Queens, New York. But there have been so many great bass players over the years, but there has been none like Jocko Pistorius. And this is a tribute song to Jocko. And Jocko spent a lot of time in New York, too. Pat Metheny Group, I'll tell you what, this this triggers me to Saturday mornings. When I had my first apartment, and it was a kind of a small apartment, it was in, off of Hillside Avenue in Queens. This album was, it wasn't new, but it was fairly new. And I just used Saturday mornings was my time for the Pat Metheny Group. Every Saturday I would put this whole album on. And just listen to this album. It was just so relaxing. Pat Metheny Group, Jocko, bringing us back. Ladies and gentlemen, right now we turn to, and I've been looking forward to this, a special guest we have, Maria Luisa Paul, who's with us now. Forgive me, Maria, I just have to be me and say that you wrote an article in the Amazon Prime Washington Post, that's what I call it, no offense, but mm-hmm. you wrote an article in the, in the Washington Post, and it's about pets. And a woman, you said, the headline says, cloned her pet after it died, but it's not a copycat. And so it begins with the story of Chai, a freak accident. She swallowed her piece of wrapper, got lodged in her intestines. The five-year-old cat died in 2017. Her owner thought there was nothing she could do. But then, five years later, $25,000 later, there's a carbon copy of Chai. It has been cloned. Tell us about this article, Maria, and thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. 
Yes, it was definitely an interesting one to write. Um, and it centers on the story of Chai um, and how her owner decided to clone her, but it also looks into how the process of cloning is, some ethical dilemmas about it that experts have raised, and then how this seems to be a growing number of people actually choosing to clone their pets. Well, how does that work exactly? So say your pet dies. Like I had I had an amazing bird. Um, I had one, Stumpy, that was a, a special needs bird, <laughs> and I lost Stumpy last year. Um, and I've had uh, two other birds. So I guess if I wanted to, I could have cloned Stumpy or cloned Pretty Boy or Bon Bon. Or, so how does this work? You you have a pet. You lose your pet. After you lose the pet, you can still get the cl- the pet cloned. How does that work? So you actually have to get the cells first. You have to get a, t- a tissue sample. And the thing is that the the cells will be better if your pet is alive. Um, but in the case of Chai, the thing that her owner did was that she made sure to get those samples really early after she died in the next day or so. So that's why they were still viable. So the first thing you have to do is get those tissues, those cells, and send them to the lab. Um, and the process of cloning hasn't really changed that much since Dolly the sheep. Uh, it, it It's a lab process, basically. So these cells that are collected, whenever you actually decide that you want to have your clone, they are placed into a concoction of enzymes where they try to take out the DNA and separate it. Um, then the scientist will get an, an unfertilized egg from a donor animal. And what they do is basically swap the nuclei between the two cells. Um, and then after that, they place this new egg that will have your pet's DNA into a mixture that has nutrients, kind of like um, a uterus in a way, and they Mm -hmm. wait for it to culture and become an embryo, and then that embryo is implanted into a surrogate mother of sorts. And if all goes well, you have a clone. Wow. Okay, now, the point, one of the points in your article is if you're expecting an exact replica of your pet, that's not going to happen. That's not what cloning yields. What how, how what, they aren't identical? How they, give us give us an example of how the, an animal can be different that's cloned than the than the I guess you would call it the original. Yeah, I think like the misconception comes from this sci-fi movies that you know you basically have like a button and then oof it comes out this person or animal and it's the exact same. But that's not necessarily the case. Like this clone will have the same genetic material. It will have the same DNA. But the thing is that it's not, it doesn't have its memories. So it's not going to be the same dog or cat, you know. That dog or cat that will be born um, did not bond with you. You did not go playing catch with it. So it's going to be very different, and they might be raised under different circumstances. So to give you the example with Chai, Chai's childhood, uh, according to her owner, was very difficult. She had some illnesses. So she wasn't able to be a kitty and, you know, play and socialize. So she was a little bit standoffish. But then you have Belle, that's the new clone, the new cat. um, And she's been able to just enjoy all these different moments. So she's more extroverted, more. She's different in that sense. Um, But there are some similarities between the two. She said that the two cats just mysteriously love sleeping all stretched out against her back. They kind of bond with the same dog. So 
I think it's important to know that, yes, you will have the same genetic material, but since you don't have the memories in there, uh, it's, it's another animal, basically. It's more like a, I guess, like a twin in a way. Ah, wow, amazing. But this, isn't, this doesn't come cheap. Use this, oh, no. This, oh, no. How much does this cost usually? So Viagen Pets, which is the only company in the U.S. that clones pets, will offer the service um, for dogs. It's $50,000. For cats, it's 35000 Whoa. You want <laughs> yeah. your dog. But people are lining up to do this. Uh, I mean, they don't. I couldn't get the exact number of people who are doing this because the company does not disclose how many clones it's doing. But they said it was in the hundreds. Um, and then you have stories like uh, there was a man who sold a priced Andy Warhol piece in order to afford the service. And then you have Barbara Streisand, who also did this. Mm, amazing. Well, it was such an informative article. So thank you for joining us to shed light on it. And you okay. write about some interesting things. I looked to, uh, I looked to some of the things that you've been writing about in the uh, Amazon Prime Washington Post. By the way, uh, there was a study out, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm not trying to start no mess with you, Maria, but there was a study out the other day that we just covered it yesterday that the Washington Post isn't paying uh, people of color and women the same thing that it's paying men. And so I just wanted to bring that to your attention. Again, not trying to start any stuff, but you may want to just pay attention to that. But you have a marvelous career, it seems. You're writing about a lot of great things, and we appreciate you taking the time to join us today. And we hope to have you back in the future. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Maria, appreciate that. Maria, Louisa, Paul, you can find the article in the Washington Post, uh, at the Amazon Prime Washington Post. The woman cloned her pet after it died, but it's not a copycat. James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snerland. We're coming back your phone calls, 800-848-WABC, 800-848-WABC. We're coming back. We're going to take more of your phone calls. Don't forget, later on in our program, Princess Di joins us, so don't go away. Right back. Talk Radio 77 WABC, entertaining and informative. James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snerdly, is on the air. 77 WABC. W-A-B-C Talk Radio 77 in New York. Prince brings us back. Let's go crazy. Let's get back to the telephones. Where should we go? I knew. Let's go to the Bronx and speak with Stephen. Stephen, welcome WABC Talk Radio 77. You're on with James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurley. What's up, Stephen? Yeah, good morning, James. Um, I just I just uh, think I have to have a little dose of reality. Every time I go to the store, every time I have to go fill up gas in the car, I have to look at these people and say, you did this. You're so stuck on MSNBC. You know, brainwash the hate Trump so much. <laughs> You're still walking around with two masks, face shields, and gloves, 
you did this, and I and I don't see any way to get out of this until uh, I'm oh, on top of that. I'm watching my retirement wither away, and the only way I can and I don't even know if I can move away from this stuff. Well, number one, um, please don't panic with the retirement. We have seen this happen before, where it looks like everything is gone, and then we get a president like we had last time that turned things around. Remember how quickly. Uh, Donald Trump turned things around in the economy, and all of a sudden people's portfolios came back from looking really bad under Obama to being great again. Uh, So let us hope that after we get past the midterm elections, the Biden administration in terms of what they want to do to America, more of what they've been doing to America, will be stopped in its tracks. And from there we have a two-year wait to hopefully elect a president again that cares about the people of this nation and our economy and will put a stop to this lawlessness that defines the Democrat Party. So, but what are, are the other things you're saying? You're absolutely right. Liberals have done this. And if you look, if now I don't want to just say that liberals are the only force that does things, that do things wrong, because you can look at other, look, the problem with legislation is that almost every, Rush taught, America this, is that there are unintended consequences that come with every single piece of legislation there is. And so, and I guess this is just part of our being imperfect beings, that the things that we come up with, we can never anticipate everything that's going to happen from them. So I don't want to place the blame on every single problem on liberals and progressives. There are things that conservatives have done, there are things that that Republicans yeah, have to go back and be amended from time to time. But by far, the things that have hurt the nation the most have come out of this so progressive socialist and these liberal camps. And so you're absolutely right about that. But we have to engage and we have to stay strong during these years of Biden. And soon enough, it will be over and we can move to a new chapter. Uh, Stephen, thank you so much for the call. Appreciate that. Let us uh, go to the, let's stay in the Bronx, actually. Jeremiah has called in. Let's talk with Jeremiah in the Bronx. Jeremiah, how are you this morning? How are you doing? I need to ask you a question. I I can't seem to phantom. I can't seem to phantom why you're trying to save this nation. What's going on is a curse upon this nation for what was done to the First Nations. You know who are the First Nations? Sure. You the know, First Nations are the you know, you know Native the Americans. Now, who runs this nation? Who runs this nation, man? Let's be real here. He who, who, who lives by the sword shall die by the sword. He who lives by captivity shall die. This country was built on lies and the blood. And I don't care if you believe in Rush, Limbaugh, Donald the Donald. I the believe Shaw. in God, Jeremiah. I don't. Okay, let's let's first of all get that straight. I believe in God. That's who I believe in. Now, Jeremiah, let's talk about the First Nations for a moment. You seem to believe that the First Nations did not live by the sword. They lived well, and maybe they didn't. And I don't mean this as a, a, a smart remark, but they did not use the sword. But they damn sure used plenty of tomahawks, arrows, knives and guns when they got them to also obliterate other First Nation people. 
So it wasn't like the Indians, the Native Americans in America were sitting around being peaceful, kumbaya with each other, and everything was rosy until white folks showed up, and then that's when they turned miserable in America. If you look at some of the um, – and, and what people do not understand, many people don't, we talk about Indians, Native Americans, but the Native Americans did inhabit lands from the East Coast to the West Coast. There were thousands upon thousands of different tribes. And some of the major tribes we all know, we all know about the Apache, the Navajo, we all know about the Iroquois, right, and, and those. But let us not sit and pretend that there was, it was all peace and tranquility when the First Nations were inhabiting the land because that wasn't the case. And you know that, don't you? Can I, can I answer that? Sure, like that's why that. I asked you. Did yeah. Native Americans in this country invade England, France, Spain, Germany, so on, Italy? Did we go that? Did, did the Native Americans? Jeremiah, you are not answering my question. Of course they did not. But you did not answer my question. Would you please answer my question? I am answering your question. You no, you're not. We all live. We all live. So what I'm saying to you, Je- Jeremiah. Now, now look. Let's let's be intellectually, Jeremiah. I'm giving you the intellectual props you deserve, right? But let's be intellectually honest here. You are not answering my question. Let us not sit here and pretend that the First Nations that were in America were peaceful and that everything was lovely and kumbaya before white settlers came to America. Okay. That it was a good thing that the Europeans, you say it's a good thing that the Europeans came here. I'm not saying it's a good thing. I'm saying it's history, and you can't change it, and neither can I. And now let's look at what America has become. America has become a nation that has brought more freedom to more people in the world than any other nation on the face of this planet. American treasure, our American citizens, including uh, Native first natives that who have joined the military and fought for this country. We have fought in so many places in this world so that the idea of liberty will spread throughout the world, and it has. America has, America has, has transformed humanity by what we think of as freedom. Now, Jeremiah, if you go and you look at Japanese history, for instance, you will find that there was a genocide period as it moved from Feudalism. If you go look at China, you will find the same thing. If you go look at Russian history, if you look at every other history, including that of African nations, what you will find is there have been many instances of inhumanity involved in their history. Okay, so this idea that somehow America is the only nation that has ever had horrible things in its past is just and it's 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 it is intellectually dishonest. But here's what the other nations of the world don't do. They don't sit around and say, oh, look at what we did in the past. We're such miserable, bad people. We deserve to have bad things happen to us. And that's not what Americans should do. We are a nation of good people, Jeremiah, mostly good. And we always have been. Now, yes, there are rogues in every nation because, sadly, humanity is afflicted with rogue people. All right, but I'm not going to sit here and why are we trying to save America? Because America is the greatest nation on earth because we are the light in a dark world, a world that has had more people suffer 
because they were simply born. You know, if you look at life in the world before America, when when monarchy was the order of the day, people's lives could be taken on a whim. And we do owe, by the way, the English a tremendous debt for the Magna Carta, which set in motion the events that led to our own constitution. We owe Spain a debt of gratitude for what they did. If you look at the origins of St. Augustine and how that impacted multiculturalism around the world, you might be surprised. Okay, every nation has contributed something good to humanity. At the same time, every nation has its own evils because mankind has had to fight these things since the beginning of time. One thing that would be helpful, Jeremiah, is if amazingly smart people like yourself would use your energy and your intellect to stop running down your country and start supporting it. But I thank you for the call, Jeremiah. You're free to call us anytime. We love hearing from you. Thank you so much. Let us continue. Go ahead. You get the last word. Go ahead. I didn't mean to be unfair to you. Go ahead. Last word. Listen, this government had a system of genocide to wipe out all the Native Americans. Now is we want payback. I want revenge. What's done to my people. My people, the Tainos, Arawak. What happened to them? Why don't you ask that Christopher Culo, Christopher Culo Colon, why don't you ask him what, what happened in the Caribbean? When my people came from the Amazon all the way to the Caribbean, into not one, there's not one Taino left alive, not one Arawak. They were all systematically wiped. Then how are they your people? Then how are they your people? You're carrying that legacy, just like I have Choctaw. Yo, Jeremiah, I have Choctaw, okay, in my blood, as well as other things, okay? So you sit here and you talk about my people, my people. Guess whose people you are, Jeremiah? You are God's people, okay, before anything else. And you can sit here with revenge in your heart and hatred in your heart for your fellow man all you want to. You will not change history. The only way that you will ever have a productive, loving life is to give up the hate and work for good. Activity, case closed. He who lives by the sword shall die by the sword. He who lives by captivity shall be put in captivity. It's payback time. Okay, Jeremiah. Uh, we hope to, Jeremiah, I hope you call us again, though, will you? Yes. I will have forgiveness in my heart after we get payback. Okay. Jeremiah, call us again sometime, okay? James Golden, WABC Talk Radio 77. Let us go to Ralph in New Jersey. Ralph, welcome, WABC. How are you this morning? Well, so, so, I'm fine. Thank you, James. Well, talk about payback. I hope Joseph Biden will give them the payback because. You know, he is a captive of the uh, socialist, uh, progressive, democratic agenda in this country. And, you know, with regard to gender education, you can look at the state situation here in New Jersey and the situation in Florida. Those are tales of those states. Okay? Here we have not only a lame duck governor here in New Jersey, but also a clown, uh, you know, uh, somewhat like a... Uh, uh, I would call, describe him as a joker, who doesn't resist this whole thing as it's being imposed, it's being forced upon people here. And, you know, what would be the, the you know, the, the, the recourse for these things? Because Here's what the recourse is, Ralph. 
Now, Ralph, thank you for calling, number one. We really appreciate hearing from you. Ralph, here's what's happening in New Jersey, and we exposed it on this show last week. And after that, by the way, things took off. So those of you who listened to the show last week, apparently you were incensed and you got hold of the governor's office to the point that the governor said, okay, if I get, like, more parents calling me, maybe I'll consider changing things. This is over the sexualization of children in New Jersey. In first grade, in second grade, and then later in fifth, and they are planning in New Jersey to sexualize children in ways that are almost unbelievable. We have, uh, we had some of our, our special James Golden readers uh, actually read parts of the curriculum, and we may have to dig that out for next hour since we brought this up. I think we have examples of what happens in first grade, uh, what they are proposing. And this is the law, by the way. This isn't even a bill. This goes into effect in New Jersey in September unless you parents stop it. And what is happening in New Jersey, well, you know what? Um, We will play some of the bites that we had in the next hour, in the monologue, actually, so you can hear what they are planning for children in New Jersey if you haven't heard it. But parents... It is not too late to stop it because these folks, these liberals in New Jersey, they're on a whole nother level. Okay. And what they are planning to do to children in New Jersey, you need to know about if you have children in New Jersey schools, it doesn't matter whether you're in Bergen, Essex, Passaic, wherever you are, Hudson County, doesn't matter. This is going to be statewide the way that they are planning on sexualizing your children. Anyway, we'll play some of those so that you get an idea in the next hour coming up. And don't forget, in our next hour as well, we have Princess Di joining us, and always fun to catch up with Princess Di on American policy. So... Stay with us. We've got another full hour to go. We have time for one quick call before we leave. Gary, you've got to make it quick. Greenwood Lake. I will, James. Thank you. And what a great show. Spin some more Motown when you get a chance. The Supremes, uh, uh, Four Tops. Uh, James, I'm calling about uh, reminding everybody just to remember the great Jackie Robinson, who 75 years ago opened the door in uh, Major League Baseball for so many great players, the likes of Willie Mays and Dave Winfield, Roy uh, Campanella, who I got to meet in my old hometown there in Glen Cove, Reggie Jackson, Hank Aaron. What a great individual coming out of the United States Army in World War II, facing discrimination beyond uh, anyone's imagination today, playing for Montreal. That's right. Taken under the wing by Branch Rickey, uh, playing at the polo grounds, and, and the, of course, the Brooklyn Dollars. We got to run, Gary. Thank you for bringing that up. Yes, indeed. And by the way, Tom Seaver was honored last night, too. James Golden, we've got another full hour coming up. Stay with us here on WABC Talk Radio 77. Right back after this. Nerdly on 77 WABC, the crown jewel of American radio. And also quickly, here we are at our number trio, number three, three. I can't believe it. 
This is the fastest hour in Saturday media. <gasps> Plagiarizing. Um, let us see. <laughs> this, of course, is the hour that many of you have been waiting for all morning since 7 o'clock when we started because you get a chance to hear Her Majesty, the one, the only, the most incredibleness our very own Princess Di. Princess Diana will be with us shortly. Uh, there is there is a lot to this, and we're going to talk a little bit about the immigration stuff that's going on with Princess Di, but there's another story that broke last night from the Hill that vulnerable Democrats are bucking Joe Biden. They want to keep the Trump order, this, 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 this Title 42, they want to keep it in place. But what is happening at the, at the borders right now this new surge coming in, people, I have been warning you. We talked about this with Todd Benzman, who is our co-host of On the Border, the podcast that I do on the border. And weeks ago, we began talking about what could happen here. We are looking at, if this goes unchecked, up to 6.5 million illegal immigrants pouring into America over the next year. And that number would be the highest surge in a one-year period ever in our history. What it will do to locales around this nation that have to absorb that many illegal immigrants in terms of the services that have to be provided is going to be catastrophic to many local economies. This is all happening. There are some Democrats, especially who are running for the Senate, who are not, not happy about it at all. You know, by the way, there's also a story out of Kentucky. Just This is just a quick FYI. The police officer that fired the shot that killed 26-year-old Breonna Taylor has filed the lawsuit. He wants his job back. He was fired because he, he fired over a dozen shots into the home on this no-knock raid. He says he acted properly. The police force disagreed. They fired him. But now he's suing. He wants his job back. Hmm. 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 Americans are now facing 40-year record highs, inflation, and Joe Biden, despite what they're trying to blame him, they're trying to blame this. First, it was Putin. They were trying to blame everything on Vladimir Putin. I say it that way because some of my fellow New Yorkers, just like they used to call Bill Clinton, Bill Clinton, they call him Vladimir Putin. <clears throat> yeah, so first Jen Psaki, Peppermint Patty, tried to blame Putin, and lately she's been trying to blame the governor of Tejas for inflation. But Americans are too smart. They know where it came from. It came from Joe Biden and his administration and his policies. In March, by the way, in March, encounters at the border with illegal immigrants, 221,000. Highest number since Biden took off, since Biden took office. And it's only going to get worse. When we wrapped up last hour, I mentioned to you that last Saturday this time, we talked about what was going on 
in the fifth and sixth grades in New Jersey by law what the curriculum calls for. The day before, a week ago Friday, we talked about what New Jersey law has in store for first grade and second, second grade children. Here is, these are just excerpts of what first and second graders can expect when they go to the classrooms in September. Identity starts with an I. That's how you can remember it. I feel. I know. Gender identity is that feeling of knowing your gender. You might feel like you are a boy. You might feel like you are a girl. You might feel like you're a boy, even if you have body parts that some people might tell you are boy parts. And you might feel like you're a boy or a girl, but you're a little of both. No matter how you feel, you're perfectly normal. That is part of the agenda for first and second graders that will be going to school in New Jersey. Doesn't matter where in New Jersey, New Jersey public schools in September And this is not a bill. This is the law. Here's another example of what first and second graders can expect. In another document posted online titled Understanding Our Bodies that details a 40-minute lesson, second graders are taught about body parts in graphic clinical terms. Most girls have a vulva, which is the name of the area between the legs. The vulva describes the whole area, including the small, whole, where urine or pee comes out of, called the opening of the urethra. The hole below that, which is a little bigger and is called the vagina, that is used when a female has a baby. And the hole below that, where a bowel movement or poop comes out of, is called the anus. So a person with a vulva has three holes between their legs in a very sensitive little area at the top called the clitoris. But second graders... That's what your second grader is going to be. That's just a sample of it because this particular lesson goes on for 40 minutes. But this is what your second graders, before they even learn how to write cursive script, are going to be taught in schools in New Jersey. Now, we're not through. This is the curriculum as they get a little bit older for fifth graders. The series of sex education videos being used are from Amaze.org. They cover topics such as oral vaginal and anal sex, STDs, masturbation, transgenderism, HIV, periods, circumcision, virginity, gender identity, sexual orientation, being gay, puberty, pronouns, porn, mental health, erections, rape, and abortion, all aimed at young school children. That's not all of it. More from what fifth graders will be learning in New Jersey schools come this September by law put in place by Democrats and progressives. One lesson plan titled It's All About the Hormones utilizes one of the videos from a maze called Puberty and Transgender Youth. Whether you identify as male, female, genderqueer, or something else, you're perfectly normal, and there are lots of ways to manage puberty so that it can be a fun exciting time rather than a scary or stressful one, the video asserts. Yeah. So you see, it's not just Florida. By the way, there are courses like these popping up in liberal states and blue states all around the country. Oregon, Washington State, they have their own curriculums to deal with. 
Of course, you understand what has happened in Florida. And in Florida, there are defiant teachers now on TikTok saying they're going to do what they want to do anyway. Screw the law. But this is what's happening in American schools. Never mind teaching kids the skills that they need to compete in an increasingly technological society where reading, writing, and understanding conceptual uh, frameworks are going to be more vital than ever before. This is what children are learning in schools. And by law, you just heard what New Jersey will be teaching students come September unless you parents in New Jersey make enough noise and tell these wacko liberals they have to stop this. James Golden with you here, Bo Snerdly, a.k.a. Bo Snerdly, on WABC Talk Radio 77. It's almost time for the princess of policy, Diana Me. Don't go away. Coming right back. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Welcome to the golden age of radio. James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snerdly, is on 77 WABC. It's time for Radio Royalty with James Golden and America's Princess of Policy, Princess Di. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. She stands alone on the high precipice of America's favorite political observer, political pundit, political commentator. She knows all that needs to be known, and she's willing to share. Our loveliness ness, our royalness ness, the one, the only princess. Diana. By the way, there was a big confab over there in Britain with a bunch of these royal types. You'll be glad to know that our Princess Diana wasn't over there. She was here with us. Oh, yes. Welcome, Princess Diana. Thank you, Sir James. I always appreciate hearing your voice on a weekend morning, especially holy weekend. And it sure is, and thank you. And, and and I'm sorry to have to ruin the mood of blessed and holiness, but um, we forgot to play one of the bites of New Jersey curriculum that's coming up for the fifth graders. So <sighs> I'm going to intrude upon your time and play it for you and play for everybody else, just so you know what's coming to New Jersey by law. One video titled Masturbation, Totally Normal, graphically details children pleasuring themselves a few times a day and that it is a physically safe way to express sexual feeling. A boy in the video is seen dropping his underwear and then masturbating under a blanket before grabbing a tissue. The same video shows a young girl narcissistically acting like she's in love with herself. Yeah, that's New Jersey. (sighs) Unbelievable. Yeah, I don't know what's more unbelievable, several times a day or just the whole idea of the curtain. Never mind. The whole curriculum several times a day. Yeah, right. Ay, well, ay, ay. <laughs> well this, is, this is the information that parents are learning about, not only in New Jersey, but all over the country. And this has been a move deliberately kept secret and under wraps, so to speak, by the teachers, unions, and the left. 
And this burst into public view, as you had mentioned earlier in the show, uh, starting in Virginia before the election and uh, in the Virginia debate, uh, gubernatorial debate on September 28th, 2021. This is the, the key quote when the candidate Republican Youngkin, Glenn Youngkin, said, I believe parents should be in charge of their kids' education. And the Democrat candidate shot back, Harry McAuliffe, I don't think parents should be telling schools what they should teach. In a nutshell, that is the battle right now all across the country. And for once, thanks to parents getting involved, the Republican Party is engaged in a culture war. And this must be fought. This is the line that cannot be crossed. And we need to get on the battlefield on this. And on Fortunately, the left is not backing down either. And even though they are taking some losses, including the Disney situation, they are not going to back down. The left never has as long as I've been alive and they are not about to back down. They can only be defeated politically. Well, let me ask you about the article that was in National Review today, headline DeSantis stomps on mouse, which is an interesting headline. Apparently, Disney has figured out they better shut up about this if they want to hold on to their uh, subscribers or their audience. Do you do you think this is a real thing or is something not? Well, you know, that's a National Review take on a on a Washington uh, Wall Street Journal piece, and they base the entire Disney throws in the towel argument on the fact that Disney did not offer a quote to the Wall Street Journal. I don't think that that you can make a larger point based on the fact that they didn't get back to the Wall Street Journal with a quote. Um, I think that that is way too early to say, say that Disney is backing down because their employees are not backing down and the pressure the employees are putting on Disney, the corporation. They're worried about losing, according to the Wall Street Journal, they're worried about losing their creative force in their employees who are very much on this battlefield. So I'm not sure that the National Review is correct that Disney is throwing in the towel, but it is true that they are letting the Wall Street Journal know this was a, not a quote, but it was basically insiders say that some executives have expressed disappointment that Disney has become politicized. So that's the first little hint that inside the company itself, there's some angst because Florida is actually talking about hurting Disney financially by getting rid of their tax perks and getting rid of their special carve outs in the law uh, when it comes to self-government. And also, this was the big one, basically meddling with copyright. Every time this has been sort of a, you know, just standard, let's get rid of the rules for Disney to keep their copyright on the actual Mickey Mouse. And every, you know, so often this comes up for renewal and it's just handled just okay, rubber stamped. Now, all of a sudden, Republicans in Congress are saying we're not going to renew their copyright. Now, that would be a financial torpedo on the company. So that may be one reason they have started to go quiet. But I think it's too early to say that Disney has backed down. Let me explain this copyright thing in a little bit more depth. I have some knowledge of it, not maybe loyally knowledge of it, but some. If you're a songwriter, if you're a producer of intellectual property, 
you have to fill out some forms, Library of Congress and blah, blah, blah. You send it in with some dough, and then they say, okay, you own the copyright. But when you have copyrighted material, you have a period where it stays with you for 28 years. That's the original. It used to be the original term of your copyright. Then after that, you can apply for an extension. So for another 28 years, you or your estate can own the copyright. After that, it is supposed to go to public domain. So what is happening now is that Disney's been able to hold on to this copyright for the rodent that they built their kingdom on for all these years. But what Republicans are saying is, we're not going to keep extending this and giving you a carve-out on this copyright if you keep this stuff up, which means that anybody could use the rodent for whatever they wanted to use the rodent for if this were to happen. And that, that would be disastrous for this for the rodent empire. So that's why that makes such a big difference. Now, how does this stuff work in, in the real world? If you notice, folks, you'll notice, especially those of you who like jazz, there are so many records now that are being sold at a cheap, cheap discount if you wanted to go buy the CDs or you wanted to buy the digital music of stuff where the copyrights have run out. A lot of the bebop material that was originally copyrighted, the copyrights have now expired. So what these record labels are doing right now, they're trying to sell as many as they can while they still own the copyrights before the copyrights go to public domain and anybody can reprint these records. That's an example of what happens. So with Disney, this is a real serious issue. This could yes, and it, it, it is due to expire at the end of 2023, the latest extension, which is right around the corner. That is not, I mean, so the lawyers within the Disney company are, are probably scrambling to try and figure out how to save this. And that may be the main reason for the sudden quiet. Mm-hmm. Now let's talk about Governor Abbott, the guy that was the laughing stock before the buses started showing up in D.C. with illegal immigrants on them. And then, of course, this massive truck jam, truck jam down at the border. Now, the way that the mainstream media is presenting this is, oh, Abbott's caved in. He took a little criticism and he gave in. But Abbott did not necessarily give in without getting nothing for his efforts, did he? Well, that is exactly right. The headline reads, Abbott ends stepped-up inspections of trucks at border that snarled trade. It was a nightmare because the governor is really inspecting every commercial vehicle. And it really was a nightmare for truckers trying to just get across the border. And so he did get a lot of criticism within the state, even, of course, among Republicans, even though this was an important marker to lay down. So the headline reads that he caved after a week. However, if you read the details, you know, and you you read some other pieces, it turns out that he was actively, the governor of Texas was actively negotiating with four or five governors in Mexico to get them to step up their own security arrangements on that side. So uh, while he created this snarled traffic was the leverage he used to get the, the governors in Mexico, four or five of them, to cry uncle, 
And so they have had made it's almost like little treaties that the state of Texas has made with several Mexican governors who are saying that they will increase security along the border and uh, guard the low water crossings. And Abbott has held back basically saying if they don't hold to their bargain, he's going to reinstitute these onerous inspections. So it it looks to me like now it remains to be seen, but it looks to me like Abbott got something very important from Mexico. And he's also not caving and saying that he's surrendering. He's saying he's going to bring it back if they don't do what they're agreed to. That is stunning because it is not going to ever be presented in the mainstream press that he has a victory where where President Biden has done nothing. But that right. has expended. This he's actually negotiating foreign policy, which, by the way, could, as far as I'm concerned, be protested in the courts by the Biden administration if they yeah. dared. I don't think they dare do a thing about this. Well, we'll we'll see because they're litigating almost everything else. So it wouldn't <laughs> it wouldn't be a surprise if they if they started uh taking this to court. But the interesting thing is that Abbott is still sending busloads of quote unquote migrants to DC. The third one arrived, I believe, yesterday. So this, which was called a publicity stunt by Peppermint Patty, Jen Bisaki, um, turns out that she's right in that it's public. Whereas the things the Biden administration are doing these secret uh, flights they're secretive they're stealth stunts and there's this as you say well-coordinated people moving or human trafficking movement by the biden administration from the border to all points in america and so i would much prefer quote-unquote publicity stunt in something that's being public and above board and announced and declared by the governor of Texas rather than this secret con job that the Biden administration is doing to the rest of us. Okay, moving on to the Senate and to the House. Chuck Grassley says Republicans are not going to repeal Obamacare if they recapture the Senate. And then the other day, we got cut short by time with Kevin McCarthy losing now apparently some of the rhinos, and we didn't have a chance to talk about that. Why don't you give me your impression about both of them? Grassley, there's no, going to be no repeal of Obamacare, and Kevin McCarthy, if he becomes speaker, is has the potential to lose rhinos in his caucus, and Politico is really upset about that. They think it's going to be the end of, I guess, moderation in the House. I just, you know, I'm sorry. You see headlines of Republicans doing traditional Republican surrender things, and it just kicks you in the teeth every time. You know, we need at this time when we are really at war, not not literally war, but political war with the left. And it's time we have people who represent us who are engaged in this battle. And immediately before there's been an election, the midterm election, we've already got people surrendering, which is what they do every single 
time. And it's very discouraging. So you have basically Grassley, who is good on many issues, and he has a lot of good experience. But in this case, he basically said, no, nah, we're not getting rid of Obamacare. You know, and of course, that is true, because that is exactly what has happened. The Republicans have not gotten rid of Obamacare, even though they promised to. They never intended to. And I think that basically Grassley stamps done to that argument. And then McCarthy, you were talking about you know, of being afraid of losing rhinos. I'm upset because he took impeachment off the table before he even gets to be speaker, if he gets to be speaker. And that is so frustrating because why do that? Why say that? He's like, well, we're not going to be like the Democrats and use impeachment as a political thing. Well, it is political. It's always been political. That's the whole point of impeachment. It is a political remedy for a, you know, when there is a problem at the executive level. And for McCarthy to, to come out the box basically saying, oh, we're not going to use the biggest card we have is just standard operating procedure for the Republican establishment. And of course, I am hoping he gets enough blowback that he changes his mind. <clears throat> well, there are many others, some of them in the caucus, who hope that he's not the speaker. Yeah. But I don't think that's I don't think that's realistic. I think that he is going to have the votes and he's going to be the speaker. So I, I hope you're right that he gets a lot of blowback. Princess Di, as always, incredible, incredible analysis of the news. We love you. We appreciate you so much. Love you too, Sir James, and see you next time. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, that is Princess Di. We're going to head to a break. Got a surprise, a quick surprise for you on the other side of the break, and then we'll continue with your calls. Don't go away. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Bo knows politics. And so much more. A true connection to real New York on 77 WABC. On WABC Talk Radio 77, this, ladies and gentlemen, is Seal. From his debut album, Seal must be a little crazy. That's right, never going to survive, unless we're just a little bit crazy. And speaking of a little bit crazy, (laughs) here's a voice for those of you that remember the James and Joel show from ages ago, my broadcast partner, Joel Santista Band. Hey, Joel. That's right, crazy. That'd be me. Exactly. That would be. <laughs> yep. You can, you can look up the word "crazy" in the dictionary. You see my face. So, 
Joe, goodness. <laughs> Good, man. I got a text from you during the show, and you have the, our old um, picture, and I never knew that you had inscribed it the way that you did. You sent it to your mom. What did you write to her on our picture? I, I took a picture. I said, I said, well, I said to mom and dad, I said, well, it's not pro bowl, I go, but it's fine nonetheless. I said, it's actually harder because I got to work with him. And then I put an arrow towards you. <laughs> and, then, and then it was hard. Yes. Yes. I know. It was great. I, I, no, I, I, it was funny. Just, uh, I thought you'd get a kick out of that. I'm moving my mom right now. She's coming from, she's going from one apartment and to an, into my old apartment. And I moved further north. So I'm in Hypoluxo, a little closer uh, to Wellington. Uh, <laughs> so I'm going to this transition. And so I came up with that picture. Because Wait a minute, we Joe, you're transitioning? Well, yeah, transitioning to uh, two bedrooms or three bedrooms no, I, I would, well, <laughs> to another community. I, that's all. I'm, yeah, I'm just transitioning all day. What is that not a word we could use today? What's going on? <laughs> you know, because I'm wondering, man, if you're transitioning, this is news to me. <laughs> oh, I, <laughs> oh, yeah. No, but I will. I, I actually don't know. You know what? Breaking news for you, James. Your your show is going to be the first thing to know about it. Everyone's going to, you know, I'm going to let it out now. And breaking news is that for me, uh, another surprise came yesterday in the mail. Uh, my my son and my daughter in law. I'm going to be a grandfather for the first time. I'm oh my gosh, Joe! <laughs> Breaking That's news. Terrific. <laughs> yep, yep. I got it in. No, they really surprised me. They they uh, sent like my old when I was you know when I was a kid all my baseball and football doings and articles whatever on an, in an album. And they send it to me, and I get it in the, in the mail. I'm, go, I'm thumbing through the album and some of this old stuff. I say, yeah, okay, that's cool. But then I, I opened up a page, and they had a sonogram picture of, a, of her uh, where she is now. She's 11 weeks in. And then a, a little sign, hey, Grandpa, get ready to watch some NFL playoff, playoff games with me. And I'm like, whoa. And it just kind of just totally threw me. And uh, I'm re-energized. I got to be honest with you, James. It totally re-energizes you. <laughs> wow, like, Joel, that's I'm terrific like, so news. Yeah, it was really exciting, and uh, and um, so I'm looking forward to it. So she's she's doing God willing in, in November, and uh, and that's another uh, be a, a whole another chapter right there to deal with. <laughs> yeah. So tell us yeah, about so, your yeah. transition, Joel. Are you going to be like a girl, or what are you doing here with the, your no, transition? No, I'm trying to keep it clean. I can. Uh, <laughs> I know it's it's a crazy world. I don't know anymore. I don't know. I I just try to. I just try to smile. I wave at people. I don't try to look and say, what did I just pass? I don't try to say those things. I just, I keep it to myself because I've been in some situations, James. It's been difficult for me. I don't really know sometimes what I'm actually seeing here and I don't want to comment, but uh, it's a lot of changes there. And I just kind of go with the flow. I said, all right, I'm going to try to stick with what I know. Let me hang out with the football players. Let me, let me, let me do certain things. Keep me out of trouble. <laughs> but I'm I know that's slow. right. Keep it busy, guy. I'm loving it down here, though. I do, I do love it since I left in uh, 2016, and uh, it's been wonderful down here. And I'm busy. I, I, I've been volunteering for the Special Olympics. I, I do. I volunteer for grassy waters, uh, nature preserves, and stuff. I've coached football down here, so I'm keeping busy and I'm enjoying it. <clears throat> oh wow, Joe! Look, it's terrific to hear your voice. Uh, thank you. <laughs> For, and it's always good to hear your voice. That's Joel Santista Band. This was the James and Joel Show. We used to be uh, on every Saturday night here on WABC. And then I used to do my own show without this guy on Sunday. Because I had to recover from Saturday. I don't blame I know. You can only take so much. I, I can only take so much. Shut up, Joel. <laughs>
Well, congratulations, Grandpa Joel. And I look forward to seeing pictures of your newborn as soon as you have them. Yeah, you got it, James. God bless, man. Love you, man. Love you too, buddy. That's Joe Santista fan, everybody, from James and Joel Show here. Memory Lane on WABC Talk Radio 77. Let's head to the telephone. Let's start in er uh, Rockland County with Ernest. Ernest, welcome. What's on your mind this morning? James Treasure Golden. Good morning, sir. You are a treasure. Thank you. (laughs) Indeed. And I just want to say, please give that man a happy pill because he is overwhelming. And I'm driving. When I heard you say transition, I I almost went off the road. (laughs) 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 You are fast, sir. Here's all I wanted to say. It's really important. Our forefathers were geniuses when they set up the free enterprise system. You mentioned copyright. And when you have a birth certificate, your name is copyrighted. That's yours forever. And your trademark is your hands, whatever you touch and put your thumb seal on. That's your thumbprint is your seal. And any tools you use is patents. That's copyright, trademark, and patent. That's our entire free enterprise system. So when you say copyright or when you say your name, your name is copyrighted and nobody can speak against you. And that's called calumny. And that's the situation we're in. Everybody's committing calumny, speaking about people's names. And you're copyrighted, so you're protected. Nobody can do that. And you can sue them for talking ill about you. And people need to wake up to that and start suing for saying I'm something and not having proof. So you're a treasure, sir. And thank you for mentioning that. But copyright is the most important thing in the world. And you own that. And nobody can take it forever. Thank you for the call, Ernest. So appreciate that. Let us go to Eric in Manhattan. You're on with James Golden, a.k.a. Snurley, WABC Talk Radio 77. Thanks for waiting, Eric. What's on your mind this morning? <laughs> no, no problem. Thank you for taking my call, and, and it's an honor to talk to you. I had a question about the child grooming, but first I wanted to correct your, your very angry caller. Um, the Ameri- American Indians prefer the term American Indian because they know there's a lot of Native Americans around. If you were born here, James, you're a Native American. I'm a Native American. You know, I'm Spanish by way of Cuba, my, my, my ancestors. But I don't sit around stressing and then eating myself up about what happened to the Taino Indians in, in Cuba. You know, I try to live in the now. And he's going to burn himself out with the hate. Um, you know, and the, the Native American, well, the American Indians, they talk about a, tr- a time of tribulation when they, then the enemies of humanity are returning, something like that. But they still talk about charity towards us city folk and that they would help us in, in that time of need. So I, I say forgiveness is the way, you know, the, the Bible, I think it's supposed to be thou shalt not murder. Um, and it was a mistranslation. So vengeance is mine. That's just protect us. You know, I've been coming back to God, but that's to protect our soul. But let God take care of it, you know? So if I have a question about the, the booming, uh, possible. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Hello. Okay. Sorry. Yeah, I'm here. sorry. It's What's to your get question? so quiet. Um, um, I've heard from someone that's very right about a lot of stuff usually, and they have these sources, I don't know, that they're trying to normalize child grooming because there's been so much child molestation going on. They're trying to, I don't know, somehow, I don't know, get out of it. You know, there's a documentary no. called, um, oh, mm-hmm. that, I don't know what you think about it. I was asking your opinion. There's a documentary called Open Secret. It's really just the first five minutes of it, like, blew me away. It's about all the, in Hollywood, all the child molestation that's going on, you know, with the child stars and yeah, the kids auditioning, so I don't know. What do you think? I mean, it's so okay, ugly. Okay, here's what thing. I think. Number one, those are two separate things in a way. First of all, we've been hearing about the incredible amount of alleged child molestations 
and perversion that have been going on in Hollywood for years. I don't know that there's any proof of it, and I don't like to um, <clears throat> I don't like to slander people. I don't like to say that this is definitely true when I have no information that things are not uh, uh, when I have no information to to judge whether things are true or not. So I will just say what I know is that we have been hearing allegations that there has been rampant child molestation and other perversions in the Hollywood communities for many years. I would be interested to see, and I'm sure the rest of us would, if these uh, allegations one day are brought out and we actually can uh, can have some factual information to buttress these allegations. Now, as for grooming, the left is in a tizzy over the term. There have been a spate of articles in the mainstream press about how right-wing Republicans came up with this term grooming and the LGBTQ plus communities are outraged by it because gay teachers think they're being marginalized and they're being accused of being pedophiles when in many cases, when, when, when that's not the case, I would say this. There have also been videos available on TikTok, on Instagram, and other places where you can see teachers in their own words describe how they are indoctrinating children to believing there are many genders and to conform to this idea that it is a normal behavior pattern. That is grooming, okay? Whether they like it or not, these individual teachers I'm talking about. I think that we should keep in our hearts the openness to understand that there are teachers who are gay, who are not interested in grooming kids, who are not pedophiles, who are just teaching because they love teaching. And I don't want to smear everybody with a broad brush. We have no way of knowing how many people are involved in this quote-unquote grooming and how many teachers that are gay are teaching um, and will comply with the law. And by the way, the law in Florida doesn't just uh, indicate that only uh, gay matters should not be discussed with kindergartners through third graders. It's all sexuality. Let the parents deal with the sex, with sexual matters, whether it's heterosexuality, homosexuality, whether it's transgenderism. These discussions belong in the home with the parents, not at school. And that is what most of Floridians happen to agree with, according to the polls, that most people, not just in Florida, actually, but it turns out in Florida, most people agree with the law, including Democrats and Republicans, and on a broader level, it is also Americans over that that in the majority of Americans think that these laws are good. But again, I don't want to smear people. And I don't want to get into that. But I think that people should be very much aware of these videos that are coming out on TikTok with some of these teachers. I think you would be stunned at some of the things that they are saying that they are teaching and they're admitting to teaching in the classroom, and some of them are quite defiant. And those speak for themselves. WABC Talk Radio 77, James Golden. It is our Saturday morning radio extravaganza, and time is fleeting. We're going to take as many calls as we can before we leave. 
So stay with us. Right back. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Entertaining and informative. James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snerdly, is on the air. 77 WABC. Change, change, change. Change, change, change. Change, change, change. WABC. Talk Radio 77 in New York. The Queen herself. Aretha Franklin brings us back. Yeah, Diego, that was a great choice. Diego is the one that picked that. Oh, man, Diego, that's awesome. Now, what you didn't know, Diego, is that this song has a trigger for me. Oh, you're triggered? How am I triggered? Well, this song was written by Don Covey. Don Covey, American songwriter and performer, lived in Queens, New York. I went to school with his daughters. He had a, uh, some of his daughters. He has a son, Don Jr., and um, he has Wanda and Wendy, who I went to school with in elementary school. We were classmates. And his mom, her mom, their mom, Yvonne Covey, let me tell you something. Their mom was, I remember like being like a young kid, and I mean young, like eight or nine years old, and she babysat for us one one day, their mom, Mrs. Covey. And I looked at her, and I remember thinking, that is the most beautiful woman, besides my mama, that I have ever seen in my life. Their mother was so stunningly beautiful. It's amazing. But what a great family, the Coveys. Don Covey, a chain of fools, performed and made a hit by Aretha Franklin. Let's head back to the telephones. Minnesota, Dom, welcome to WABC Talk Radio 77. Hey, Joe, this quick question here. If the New Jersey sex education law is so great for kids, my question is, why is Phil Murphy asking the kids to hide it under the blanket? That's my first question. <laughs> because they so, know. Because they know what they're doing. And it deserves to be hidden. Otherwise, the outrage will pour out. And that's what's happening now. Parents are just now learning about this, and they are outraged. What's up? You said you had something else, Dom. Yeah, that's a rhetorical question. So Garner Murphy was the president of the Hasty Puddings Theatricals at Howard, which is a cross-dressing group of comedy actors. I'm not, you know, raining on them, but I was calling to give you a slightly different perspective from the First Nations guy who called. Yeah. Thank, you for ta- thank you for taking this call and staying with it with incredible patience and you commanded because you had a great teacher. And I'm a teacher, and I had to get that out. You had a fantastic teacher, and you are every bit or even better than your teacher. So you're setting a great example. You're setting a great example for how we, the people, should be as a society. Um, I wish on Easter Sunday we could clone a Washington or a Lincoln or a Jefferson. We could start a Go Find Me page, and I'll bet you a lot of little Elon Musks would come out of the woodwork. And that's what I wanted (laughs) to say. Uh, But I have hope for our country. But I think people like you should be in the forefront. And I am surprised, you know, this is I've been a teacher for 33 years and I guess uh, just really marveled at your 
patience in taking that gentleman's call from the Quest Nations. You know, every other, a lot of talk show hosts were exploded. But I thank you for demonstrating how we should be as a society and a culture and a nation. I thank really you. appreciated your call. Thank you. I really appreciate yours. Time's running out. I'm going to grab some other callers, Don, but thank you. Your words mean so much to me. I appreciate it. Let's go to Staten Island and visit with Eddie. Eddie, welcome, WABC. Hi, James. You know, I've I've been listening to you for so long. I appreciate the way you stand up and answer the questions in such a right manner that everybody understands. The guy who called you early in such anger, I tell you, he doesn't realize the amount of people that come to this country because despite what liberals say, this country is the land of opportunity for everybody. With that said, um, well, a lot of people already took away my thunder. But with that said, I'll transition into this. The thing about young kids being taught sex is so wrong. And I speak as a person who many years ago was raped. I was six years old. And I know when it happened in 1963, of course, shortly thereafter, Kennedy was assassinated. It was the hardest thing for me to live with all my life. And it wasn't until about five years ago that I revealed it to people in my company, which is why I behave the way I do. I encourage anybody who suffered with this, find somebody, tell them what happened when you were a kid, and let it out. The people who did this to me and 13 other children at that time were punished by the community when the parents found out, because I was in the hospital for a long time. And it was, it's hard for me to tell you now about it, but after I got this off my chest, let me tell you something. I'm living my life. I miss my, my wife. I told her before she died what happened to me, and then she understood why I was the way I was, why I was so protective of my children. Watch your children, watch how they interact, and if they're quiet, they look away, talk to them. They're hiding something that they want to tell you. That's why you should never shut off your kids. James, I can't tell you how much I appreciate you bringing this to light. It is important that no pedophile ever gets a chance to get close to an innocent child. A child needs to grow up as a kid, live his life, and become a great American, and that's worldwide. Eddie, God bless you, my friend. And those of us here who hear you, we're touched. I know I am. And I hope that you enjoy the peace of mind and peace of heart that you deserve after the traumas that you've been through. You mentioned losing your wife. That had to be horrific. And also the, the trauma that you experienced being raped as a child. It's just Someone, for so many of us, it's just unbelievable to think that there are people in the world that would do these things to children. You're an example. It stays with you for the rest of your life. But thank God you are overcoming it. And we thank God for you, Eddie, and we play, pray for your continued peace. And thank you for calling us. I, that's, Eddie, thank you. And has wow. kept it inside of them. You're, you're, you're not reaching the full potential of your life. Let it out. I have become a prolific writer ever since I was able to do that because now I feel like I'm free and I felt like a load came off of me. I encourage anybody who has gone through this, speak up to a close friend, to a parent, and don't be, don't be ashamed that they're going to think of you because you were raped. You were a victim. Stand up for yourself, and I'm telling you, you will help so many other people 
overcome the difficulties of life. James, I love you, man. Take care. Thank you. Love back. Thank you, Eddie. Laura, Pennsylvania. Welcome, WABC Talk Radio 77. Hi, Mr. James Bolden. I just Hi, want Laura. To thank you. How are you? I'm good. I'm a little good. shaken by the last call and, and, and just kind of filled yeah. up emotionally with that, but I'm good. How are you doing? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I, I was too. I was too. Um, praise the Lord he's able to speak about it. Uh, praise the Lord that we got you on the radio and some of your callers are just fantastic. And even um, the gentleman that screens your calls, I am just so thankful today to really hear you explain things, give definitions, and make people feel comfortable to speak up, right or wrong. And uh, clarification you give on things, you're a blessing. You really are a blessing. And I just want to thank you for being part of my life, even if it's just on the radio. Laura, thank you. That really means so much to me. I'm like, you know, wow, what a range of emotions just in the last few minutes. I can't tell you how deeply uh, I appreciate that and how, how that made me feel so good. Thank you so much, Laura. appreciate you so much in Pennsylvania. Let us see. Um, Flora in New Brunswick, New Jersey. Welcome. WABC Talk Radio 77. Hi, James. Thank you so much for taking my call. I, I'm calling to get a number out regarding uh, Murphy's uh, crazy sexual mandate that he's pushing in the schools in New Jersey. Mm -hmm. I called called the number several times and and got recordings, but I did eventually get through maybe the third call to a woman, and she was very quiet about everything I said. And then she said, well, do you agree with it or do you oppose it? So I think that's what they're looking for. They're just taking a poll as to how many agree, how many oppose. So, you know, of course I oppose it. And uh, so I want to give the number because, you know, hopefully. Okay. It it is 609-292-6000. And I just want to thank you, James. God bless you. Happy Easter, and, and just keep up the fantastic job that you do on the radio for all of us. We, we need a voice. <laughs> Thank you, Flora. God bless you, too. Listen, folks, we are um, coming to a close in the program, and I just want to just take a special moment. Today, this weekend is a rarity, apparently. This is one of the rare times that Passover, Ramadan, and, of course, Easter happen in the same time frame. They're all happening right now. Easter, of course, tomorrow. And what better weekend to express the idea that regardless of whatever religion you practice, that it is so important to have God in our lives. I do believe that most of what afflicts America is not a disease of the mind, but a disease of the heart and the soul, that we do have the ability through the way that we live and communicate with others to help be a part of change and the change for good. And I do believe we are in a battle of good over evil. There is no other force in this universe stronger than the force of love. God is love. That is that power. It's been a joy and a delight to be with you this morning. 
We'll be back on Monday, 4 o'clock. We are Pennsylvania, Connecticut, New Jersey, and New York, the greatest city in the world, America, the greatest nation humanity has ever witnessed. May God bless and protect each one of you and your families. We'll see you Monday, 4 o'clock. Bye. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.